do us a quick favor guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode And he's here, he is here. Cristiano has entered the building. Welcome, wherever you are, to the Old Trafford Theatre. Yes, guys, welcome back to this episode of Sculptor Podcast. Today, we are going to Kobe Bryant and Patrick Bet David. Now, this is a very famous interview of Kobe Bryant that... I have listened to many times, and I have taken lots of notes on. I quite like Kobe and Patrick Beth David individually, and I think that there's a lot of brilliant things in here, and I am very excited to listen to this one again and actually share my thoughts on it. To be honest, I don't want to be stopping it too much because it's an hour long already. But because it's so good, I feel like I will be. But I hope that I don't have to. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I will though. But anyways, with that being said, here it is. So at 13 years old, I had a, um, <laughs> I had a kill list. I got to hunt them down. Now you got a problem. That's right. I don't think I've ever said this before. Seriously. Seriously. This is going to be fun. Michael in particular, he become my big brother. The greatest of all time. Oh, we call him Black Jesus. You're not intimidating me. We're going to go at it. It's crazy. Yeah, man. You're about to take your shot and then all of a sudden, boom. The kiss of death. Man, my back was really spasming. How the hell do you tolerate that kind of pain? I play games with the flu. I play games with 102 degree fever, man. Powerful. Hey. They all thought I was absolutely crazy the day me and Shaq got in a fist fight. <laughs> fist fight? Oh, yeah. Fist fight. Oh, I'm not backing down. Listen. Hey, dude, you got to throw me the ball. I said, man, fuck that. Get it off the rebound if I miss, bro. <laughs> you told them this. It doesn't bother you. I'm fine, dude. What the hell do you want me to do? Got it. who tonight's speaker is. You ready? Before I introduce him, I'm going to tell you what some of his accomplishments are. Hang on. I got to tell you some of the things he's done. After the first one, you're going to know who it is. And if you're jacked up about it, I want you to holler and bring this building down. You ready? Let me say who it is first. First sentence. Ready? You got your lives on. You ready? He is the greatest Laker of all time. Five-time champion. The only guard to play with one team for 20 years. More 40-point games than LeBron and KD. Let me just say this, guys, more 40-point games than LeBron James and Kevin Durant. More 50-point games, more 50-point games than LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry combined 
and more 60-point games than LeBron James and Michael Jordan combined. Give it up to the one, the only, Kobe Bryant. Now, this is this is a company. This is a company. This is a company. <laughs> it's awesome, wonderful. So you know, I gotta tell you guys. I gotta tell you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So. <laughs> we got to try to get through this interview in 60 minutes. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things a lot of you guys don't know. Let me get your attention. Let me get your attention. Settle down. Settle. You can stay where you are, but just settle down. Just don't make a lot of noise so we can enjoy the interview. I get it. <laughs> settle down. So, you know, one of the things most of you guys don't know, uh, we were in the back. Mario was asking me a question. Mario asked me a question. He says, what do you think about when you think about Kobe? And I said, the first thing that comes to my mind is my dad. He says, why your dad? I said, because, <laughs> you know, he's born August 23rd, uh, 78. Yeah. I'm October 1878. So you're six right. and a half, seven weeks older than me. Right. So when he came to the lake, I've been a diehard Laker fan since, uh, you know, 1990 when I came to the States yeah. from Iran. And I'll never forget this. We would sit there and watch the game together. My dad and I would watch you play. And one day, Lakers are playing against uh, 76ers, and it's game one. If you know my dad, you know he's had a lot of heart attacks. <laughs> We're watching game one. Iverson hits the shot over uh, uh, Ty Lue, right? Yeah, yeah. Game ends, they win the game, first game. My dad gets up and my dad says, Patrick, take me to the hospital. We went straight to the hospital because he was having heart issues. So that's how much we go back watching you grow up. You know, watching right, you it was amazing doing what you did Thank for you. one organization for 20 years. But, you know, before we get into it, before we get into it and kind of talk about what you're working on today and some of the mental toughness stuff here, if I was in high school with you, if I was in high school with you, yeah. outside of your game, mm -hmm. outside of you playing ball, mm -hmm. who was Kobe Bryant as an individual and personality in high school? If we were in high school together, um, much the same that I am now, actually, which is extremely curious. Extremely curious. I had a great teacher in high school. Her name is Jane Mastriano, who I'm still, I'm still very close to. And she sparked my curiosity in writing. And the reason why I felt it was important at the time was not for the writing's sake, or not for storytelling purposes, but there are things in story, inherently in story, that can help me be a better basketball player, be a better teammate, better leader, understand emotions better. So that's why I got into it, into storytelling, actually. So it's just in insanely curious, man. And, um, you know, trivial things weren't going to pull my attention. It had to be things, weren't going to pull my attention. It had to be things that were, I had a purpose. I wanted to be one of the best basketball players to ever play. And anything else that was outside of that lane, I didn't have time for. 
At, at what age did that goal become crystal clear? That I, that's made, what I made that deal with myself at 13 years old. At 13 years 13 old? 13 years old. That's the deal I made. You were crystal clear about it. Crystal clear. And where did inspiration come from? Um, the love of the game. The love of the game. The challenge. Like, I, I would watch Magic play. I'd watch Michael play. And I would see them do these unbelievable things. And I'd say, you know, can I get to that level? I don't know, but let's find out. Let's find out. And so that curiosity to see where I could push this thing led me down that path, I think. Led you down that path? I think so. Now, were you, were you always competitive from the day you were born? You were super competitive? Uh, competitive with things that I, I participate in. So, I, like, I'll put it to you this way. So, like, you know, Michael is competitive in all things, things that don't make sense. Right? Ping pong. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Like, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, like, he would try to get me to play golf all the time. Mike, I know about you. I've written books, report about you in, like, elementary school. Like, I know you started playing golf when you were in Carolina. So that means if I'm doing the math, you've been playing golf for, like, 100 fucking years. <laughs> um, I have not picked up a golf club. Ever. Ever. The last thing you're going to do is get me on a golf course and annihilate me. Not going to do it. You've never picked up a golf club? No, I did it one time, and I was hitting, like, 400-yard grounders. Grounders. And so it got my competitiveness going. Like, I got to learn this game. But then I broke my finger during that year, and then I couldn't, That's couldn't it. play much, and that was it. So, so the one thing when I uh, uh, see with you, and I think about, like, brain, and I think focus. Like, you know how so many different things brain can get distracted on, and I'm going to put focus on this and focus on this and focus on this. Mm -hmm. Do you think one of the edge you had over everybody else was the biggest percentage of your focus was on one thing. Mm -hmm. Do you see it that way? Like, that was my edge over everybody else. Uh, I do. Um, at the time, I didn't really understand that, right? So, you know, basketball for me was the most important thing. So everything I saw, whether it was TV shows, whether it was books I read, people I talked to, everything was done to try to learn how to become a better basketball player, everything. Everything. And so when you have that point of view, then literally the world becomes your library to help you to become better at your craft. The world becomes your library to help you improve your craft, better yes. your craft. Yes, indeed. So. Okay, just quickly on that one. I quote that one, that exact quote, talking about how the world becomes your library quite often. I do believe that I have the same attitude with football. When you think like Kobe does, when I hope you think like I do, everything that you're doing is in order to help you get closer to the best version of yourself. That's exactly what he means by the world is your library. So when you do X task and you do it for X reason, I'm doing X task to get better as a footballer. Everything that I'm doing is to become better as a footballer. Every single piece of knowledge I get is to help me become better at football. Because you know what you want, the world's giving you exactly the information you 100%, need to become better at it. Because you know what you're looking for. Yeah. So would you, when you, when you size your peers up, how'd you size your peers up? Like if you're sizing people, I'm talking you're 13 years old, you're sizing peers up, what lens are you looking through your peers? So at 13 years old, I had a, um, <laughs> I had a kill list. 
And so, you know, they used to do these rankings. It was Street and Smith basketball rankings. And I was nowhere to be found because I was like 6'4", scrawny, like 160 pounds soaking wet. So I was like 57 on the list. And so I will look at 56, 55, all the way up to number one, who these players are, what club teams they played for. So when we go on an AAU travel circuit, I, I got to hunt them down, right? And so that became my mission in high school, is to check off every other person, all those 56 other names, hunt them down and knock them down. That was it. Get a target on them right off the bat. That was it. Very simple. That's unbelievable. Let me, let me ask you this question. You say, say I'm one of the guys on that list ahead of you and we play. What are you doing to get a feel? Is it, is your mind like, are you asking, let me see if this guy's better than me in this side and this side and this side? Or are you just going saying, I'm going to kill this guy? Well, it depends what year. So like in, at 13 years old, you know, I played the longer game because my game wasn't about being better than you at 13. It was to be better than you when, you know, the chips are really on, on the line. So when we played at 13, I would size you up and see what your strengths and weaknesses are. How do you approach the game? Are you silly about it? Are you goofy about it? Are you good at it just because you're bigger and stronger than everybody else? Right? Or is there actually thought and skill that you put into it? Right? And when I'd play, I'd play to my weaknesses. I wouldn't play to my strengths. I'd play to my weaknesses. Because when you're playing summer basketball, there's so many games. So there's not a lot of skill work being done. So when are you going to get better? Right? When you're playing in competition situations, you're only playing to your strengths. Why? Because you want to win. Right? So what I would do, I was work on the things during those games that I was weak at. Left hand, pull up jump shot, uh, post game. Right? So I have a strategy. And so then fast forward to when I'm 17 and my game is completely well rounded and that player at 13 that I saw at 13 is still doing the same shit at 17. Mm. Now you got a problem. That's right. You got a problem. And you, caught, and you saw that. You got a problem. And by the way, I, let me ask you. So that's high school. You go into the league. When you're going into the league, you're going with a lot of guys that were, you know, same age, same age, you know, same class as you were going in. Yeah. Were you sizing those guys up the same exact way as you did in high school? I did. But, you know, in the NBA, <clears throat> it was actually easier because what I found in the NBA is a lot of guys played for financial stability. And when they came to the NBA, they got that financial stability. So therefore, the passion and the work ethic and the, obsession, the obsessiveness was gone. So I'm looking at that. I'm like... Oh my God, it's going to be like taking candy from a baby. Now, I wonder Mike wins all these fucking championships. <laughs> this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Of and, 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 like, and, and then you had the players that had that passion, but weren't willing to commit their entire lives to doing that, right? It's a choice, right? You have other things. You have family. You have all these other things that you have to do. The game can't really be your number one priority. And so I was just looking at that like, man, I'm, this is going to be fun. In the muse, in the muse, you said, I knew you couldn't do what I was doing because I was obsessed. I'm paraphrasing. And then you said, whether it's friends, relationship, it didn't matter. It was all basketball. Yeah. If, if I'm buddies with you from high school, if I'm a cousin of yours, what happened to our relationship? How, how did that gravitate when you went into the league and you're, you're determined to become the greatest, so you're determined to become one of the greatest. What happens to our relationship? Oh, it suffers. It does suffer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because and you they, understood that. You well, were okay yeah. with that. Well, yeah. And, and the people that love you, like friends and family, like they know that about you. Got it. 
So they let you be you. And when you reconvene, you know, you pick back up where you left off. Mm -hmm. But make no mistake about it, everything in between is lost. Yeah, this point's a very interesting one. One that actually, I think, no, I know really gave perspective to me and my vision to going to Germany and thinking about that, how that would work and everything there with what Kobe's just said about relationships taking a hit and they suffer. I was fully aware of because I knew that that's what Kobe had to do. And that's what happens. Right. So those long-term relationships, the commitment of time of, uh, you know, uh, taking vacation. Like I see a lot of players take vacations with other players that are close friends and I'll just take vacations just to take vacations or just hang out just to hang out. Like I, I, I'm not, I never did that. But why it was a why not though? Why, why, why didn't you do that? What? Well, because when I retire, I didn't want to have to say, I wish I would have done more. I don't want that. You know, I don't want that. So, okay, so you come in. It's, it's very powerful what you just said. Some of your peers were in it for the money, so they got the money. Okay, great buy a house for my mom, dad wanted that car, get this, get that, have fame, go to different cities, I'm partying, I'm doing all this other stuff. Who were some of the guys that you saw and you watched that weren't just driven by the money? Were there some names that you looked at and says, these three guys are as crazy as I am? I do, I, I, at the time I deal with what I've referred to as Goat Mountain. I went to Goat Mountain and I talked to Magic, Michael, Bird, Kim Olajuwon, Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, Bill Russell, you know. So I would talk to them. What did you do? What were your experiences? Michael in particular, he's become my big brother. He's been my big brother since I first came in the league. And what was that process like? So I went to them and started understanding the ins and outs of the game and, you know, how they approach things and their level of detail and obsessiveness. and. Um, and that's what I did. Well, why do you think, uh, and first of all, let me ask how it felt, but I'm curious to know why you think as well. How did it feel knowing, like, from the moment you got into the league, the guy at the time is the greatest of all time, everybody wants to be like my Gatorade, all this stuff. The level of respect he had for you when he spoke about you was different than everybody else. And you're an 18, 19 year old kid at that time. Yeah. How did that feel when you heard how he spoke about you? It, it made me feel good. But not like what I told him, I was like, you didn't say anything I didn't already know. So, you know, so like, when, <laughs> I tell you, like when we, when I was in high school um, and uh, I used to work out with the 76ers, I used to ask him, man, what's it like to guard Mike? You know, Mike, you mean black Jesus? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> black who? Oh, we call him black Jesus. Or you can call him black cat. Like, I'm going to call him fucking Mike. That's his fucking name. <laughs> so the level of fear that he inspired in others was insane. Wow. And I would tell him, I said, when I face him, we're going to go at it. He says, oh, you don't want to do that. I'm like, what? Man, you don't know me, man. And so when we matched up, I think he understood that. And, you know, when I was 18, my first year, he got the best of me a bunch of times. I was right there the next play. 
you're not intimidating me, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. And I think he saw that level of respect because I think he was the same way at 18 years old. And that common bond is, is what I think, uh, you know, where our connection was built. Yeah, it was great watching you guys going back and forth, whether it was the All-Star game or whether the famous scene where, you know, you're guarding him, he's in front of you, you're asking him a question, there's a question, and he's saying footwork and do this. Yeah. It's just beautiful watching that take place with the two of you guys. How's your relationship today? It's my big brother, man. Like, I can't, you know, it's, um, we talk often. We send each other Christmas cards every year. Send each other Christmas cards. Every year um, <laughs> that we have nothing to do with, but, you know, yet and still, you know. Um, but we're extremely close, man. Extremely. Extremely close. That's extremely great. That's close. great. To, yeah, you know, it's, it, 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 as a fan, I'm not in your world. Your world is a whole different world. I just see it from a fan, and I just see it from what experts say. But as a fan, I feel that's exactly how it would be with you and him because the level of respect from both yeah. sides is reciprocal. And it's great to hear that. Um, going a little bit past it, you know, you came into the league, you start playing. First year, you get traded for Divac, which we were devastated when we lost Vlade Divac. I want you <laughs> heartbroken <laughs> when we lost Divac. Okay. I think he got the sarcasm. Some of you guys who don't know basketball, you missed that one. kind of went like this. But Kobe shows up. I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy So When you show up, I'm like, oh, no more Sedell treat. We're going to get some real players. Nothing against these guys, but we wanted some entertainment, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you show up, and you play, and there was the one game. I think you started getting a little bit more playing time. I think you did 7.2 points a game because they won't let you play. The coach was just not putting you in there. Yeah. Second season was like 15. I, I bet if you take your first three and you played college, you're 25.4, would probably would be a 26.5, 26.6 type of a number. Yeah. But your first three seasons, then the one game, it's the last game of the season you play Utah. Yeah. The one where you shoot three air balls at the end. Five. It was like five. And then you hit crazy. one and his system doesn't go in, right? Mm -hmm. Moses, not Malone, one of the Malones came and spoke to you. I don't know who it was from the Jazz. Malone, he was, yeah. He was saying something. You were yeah. not even paying attention. Shaq was whispering something in your ear. What did Shaq say to you in that moment? I don't even know. You don't remember? No, I wasn't paying attention. Got you know, like, like it, it was, you know, like for me, it, it's... Maybe it's a little, like, asshole of me or whatever, but whatever. Um, he was, like, he was trying to whisper encouraging things. I was like, I'm fucking fine. <laughs> okay. I, I shot five air balls on national TV in front of millions of people that cost us a series, and I'm 18. I'm fine, dude. How do you get the mental? <laughs> How does somebody get there mentally with that public humiliation to some people hurts them and they don't come back because you know there was a player Barbosa I don't know if you remember Barbosa yeah, of course you remember of course he was extremely talented for a quick first step but they said he wouldn't do well when the spotlight was on him yeah how did you get mentally and emotionally so strong where it doesn't bother you well you know it's you got to look at the reality of the situation you know like for me it's not you know you, you kind of got to get over yourself like it's not about you man like okay you feel embarrassed you're not that important like, get over yourself. Yeah, that's where you go. Get over yourself, right? Like, you're worried about how people may perceive you, and, like, you're walking around, and it's embarrassing because you shot five air balls. Get over yourself, right? And then after that, it's okay, well, why did those air balls happen? Got it. High school, year before, we played 35 games, max, right? Week in between, spaced out, plenty of time to rest. In the NBA, it's back to back to back to back to back to back to back. I didn't have the legs. So you look at the shot, every shot was online. Every shot was online, but every shot was short. 
right? I got to get stronger. Got I got to train differently. The weight training program that I'm doing, I got to tailor it for an 82-game season mm. so that when the playoffs come around, my legs are stronger and that ball gets there. So I look at it with rationale and say, okay, well, the reason why I shot air balls is because my legs aren't there. I go, well, next year they'll be there. That was it. Done. Done. And then what is your process of improvement with your schedule leaving? Because, you know, Phil Jackson gets asked between you and uh, MJ, right? Because he coached both of you guys. So, yeah. you know, he constantly gets asked that question. He's always going to pick the first child. Man. He's, he's going to pick the first child. But I tell you, he said something about you that to me, uh, it's a level of respect that any player can duplicate what he said about you. To me, the level of respect for that is a whole different level. You can't teach big hands, right? right? You cannot right. teach that, right? right? You cannot teach 49, 48-inch, whatever the vertical leap is, and yeah. you cannot teach that, right? Sure. But he said nobody in his history of coaching had your level of work ethic. I mean, you hear so many, William, so many guys tell stories about your work ethic. Yeah. What was really your work ethic like, and for how long did you stay disciplined? Um, well, I mean... I mean, every day, I mean, since, you know, 20 years. I mean, it was an everyday process and trying to figure out strengths and weaknesses. For example, jumping ability. Man, my vertical was a 40. It wasn't a 46 or a mm -hmm. 40, 45. Um, my hands are big, but they're not massive, right? So you got to figure out ways to strengthen them so your hands are strong enough to be able to palm a ball and do the things that you need to do. Uh, quickness, I was quick, but not insanely quick. I was fast, but not ridiculously fast, right? So I had to rely on skill a lot more. I had to rely on angles a lot more. I had to study the game a lot more. And, uh, but I enjoyed it though. So like from the time I was, I can remember when I started watching the game, I studied the game mm. and it just never changed. Technical question here. Let's sure. see how you can answer this. Who would Shaq be if he had your work ethic? He'd be the greatest of all time. If Shaq had your work, he'd be the greatest of all greatest time. Of all time by For sure. He, he'd be the first to tell you that. For sure. I mean, this guy was a, a force like I have never seen. I mean, it was crazy. You know, a guy at that size, generally guys at that size are a little timid and they don't want to be tall. They don't want to be big. Man, this dude was, he did not care. He was mean. He was nasty. He was competitive. He was vindictive. I mean, he was, yeah. I wish he was in the gym. I would have had fucking 12 rings. He had the work ethic. My God, yeah. We ain't be close. Wow. And, and let me ask you, let me ask you this question. And by the way, I'm not asking this question to create feud between you and him. You, you I don't care, you bro. Listen, me, I'm me and Shaq talk, sit down all the time and I say, dude, if your lazy ass is in shape. I hear you saying all the time and he oh, takes I, it. I tell him all the time. I'm asking this question for a different reason. I'm asking this question because, look, we, we've grown as a company extremely fast. We went from one office with 66 agents to 10,900 offices, 10,900 agents in 49 uh, states. And we're the fastest growing insurance company now. But I say this, I say it for one reason. And by the way, this message is directed to a lot of you, so hear me out very simply. The fact that you say the work ethic side, yeah. the fact that you say work ethic side, and you say, hey, if he would have worked that hard as I did, do you think if he would have had the same level of commitment to the game as you did, you guys would have had fewer feuds between each other? Yeah, because I, I, listen, I don't, I don't deal with people that don't commit 
at that level, but then act as if they do. I don't deal with that. I don't. It's real shit. I mean, I listen. So, like, we, we, we used to get into stuff all the time because it was like, you know, he would say, okay, Kobe's not throwing me the ball. And, you know, media would take it and run with it and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, well, bruh, if you were in shape, by the time I run down on a fast break and run back and then run down, you're still coming down the first time, bruh. Like, what the hell do you want me to do? Right? So a lot of our contention came, came from, from that. that. Came from that. And even though he was older, you were still confronting him. You didn't, you didn't care. Oh, about I didn't care. Part. Man, from listen. From day one? Bro. From we, day one. I, I knew for sure Rick Fox, my teammates, they all thought I was absolutely crazy the day me and Shaq got in the fist fight. After that day, they were like, okay, Kobe, you're certifiable. Uh, <laughs> fist fight. Oh, yeah. Fist fight. Oh, I'm not backing down. Listen, either you're going to whoop my ass or I'm a, we're going to have a night. But, you know, <laughs> ain't no way. You know, it, it, there's, a, there's a level of respect. And, and for Shaq, too, by the way, that, I know he, he's told me that that day was a big turning point for him because it was like, you know, he's generally used to talking trash and saying what he wants and nobody really stepping up and challenging him on that. And when he saw me challenge him on that, he was like, this kid's crazy. All right, I can win with that. You know, and so that was kind of the beginning of our relationship, I think. That's probably